Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise Billen Mejia in Delaware, USA. And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK. This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist. I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist. We are Two Hypnotherapists Talking. So let's get on with the episode. Okay, so... Denise, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hi. Can, you be- can you believe it's the end of the year already? <laughs> I know. I'm the end of season one. This is true. Uh, this I, is true. I, I don't know where the weeks have gone. It, it's flown no, by. It's, it's, this whole year it's flown by for me. It's been a blur, which is good. It's also the reason that we're going to have a little break now at the end of the year. Yeah. To catch our breath, look at what we've done and what what, what we're going to be doing next year. Well, Amongst those things, of course, is this podcast. And yeah. we've decided, have we not, that it's going to be three seasons of 12 yeah, weeks? Three, three seasons a year. So that's two more than Dynasty ever have. Um, yeah, three seasons a year. And so, well, this is the end of season one. We got season two starting on Sunday, the 8th of January. Yeah, and that'll be here before we know it. Yeah, I know. We've, well, every, everything's mad busy everywhere at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even, even in works parties, people that don't celebrate Christmas, maybe some of them go to the Christmas party anyway to join in the festivities, mm-hmm. um, whatever. But it's a busy time of the year for everybody. Even if Christmas isn't your thing, you can't help but get caught up in the Christmas crowds and traffic and parking and everything right. else. Um, yeah, so let's not stress our... Um, people out there any more than they already are <laughs> you're suggesting that we stress them no not at all not at all and if we do we can help with that <laughs> make your own business yeah so okay well we can't give too much away about what's going on in the new year i've got one or two things in the pipeline hopefully hopefully my book will be out before the end of this year i'm still frantically trying to get that finished um and then one or two new things happening in january as well because i'm okay actually working um as well as my practice in preston and the clinical work at in blackburn i'm going to be working at a another private therapy clinic that has a team of nine consultant psychiatrists that's really nice yeah it's that's a great that's, fit it, it's great to think that consultant psychiatrists are deeming hypnotherapy as you know a viable treatment option uh, mm-hmm. a, a, as, as in the truest sense of the word is what it is a complementary therapy to complement what they do yep absolutely that's very um, exciting so I, and I'm, that of course that that leads into what my big project for next mm. year which is the launch of my uh what is hypnosis of course for medical physicians yeah of course medical yeah. physicians a bit redundant but um for physicians allopaths osteopaths um and that will be a, a probably late February I haven't got the dates actually correct yet but uh, we both need a little bit of a breather to to make sure all the other Absolutely. little fires are, are are burning nicely Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so we will be raring to go in the new year so yeah. if you're listening to us now or watching us now and you've watched any of the other episodes this series thank you thank you so much it's been great having you on board with us um but that's it for this one I'm gonna pin a few different i'm not going to call them highlights because that you know i don't want to pick and choose between guests or anything like that i'm just going to pick some bits at random from different episodes and tag them onto the end of this one um so you know if you haven't watched any of the other ones or you've just watched a few of them 
have a watch to the end of this recording today and um let, let, let's uh, hope you enjoy some of the bits there as i say i'm not, I'm not calling them highlights because uh, every episode's been a highlight as far as i'm concerned we've covered a lot of things haven't we Yes, we think have. And, a lot yeah. of... and of course, people are, we're very happy to have people write in and ask us to talk about particular things. Absolutely. They, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. In the oh. um, in the show notes, if you're listening on um, a podcast, then wherever, where, whatever platform you're listening to it on, there's a space there with show notes in our contact details are on there on YouTube. They're straight below in the comments box. You can contact either of us by email. And um, we always love to hear from you. Um, but we will be back on January the 8th. Yeah, thank you. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. Happy yeah. Hanukkah to those who celebrate that. Yeah, and happy holidays to everybody else, as they say over there in America. <laughs> <laughs> and good luck with the traffic. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I'll catch bye, you in Ryan. the new year. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye. See you soon. Episode 2 saw Denise and I talking with Jason Langley, the teen anxiety coach. What? what uh... What is the main message you would like the general public to know about hypnosis and the kind of work that you do? Other than you too can enjoy steak if you have hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, it's, it's probably the same as, you know, probably, you know, you two feel as well, that, you know, hypnotherapy isn't that woo-woo kind of therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, we, I was trained um, by CPHT and, you know, their, their approach and, you know, their, their knowledge is all based on neuroscience, you know, so when a client comes to me, um, you know, I can back everything I say up with, with neuroscience. Not that many um, people out there that can, can kind of say that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so like I say, for me, it's just... I, I love hypnotherapy. I really do. You know, I, I talk about it all the time. You know, and I'm just trying to break down those those barriers of someone, you know, standing there with a watch. Yeah. Uh, or looking to my eyes. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. I mean, focal points are fine. <laughs> it's just unfortunate people fixed on the lovely Victorian pocket watch. Exactly. The focal point. Yeah. So, so Jason, for the benefit of people who don't know anything about the type of hypnotherapy you do. Could you sort of give a brief description of how a hypnotherapy session would be after the initial consultation? What would they expect to find each week when they come to see you? Yeah, so after initial consultation, um, it's, it's very set with what obviously we do. Um, we can change obviously certain things depending on obviously what the, you know, the client says. It's, you know, it's not sort of kind of like a one size fits all. It's, you know, it's there to be adapted to you know, the, the client that's in front of you and their needs. So. You know, the, the first thing obviously we, we do is, is make them feel comfortable and, and happy in themselves, you know, so we greet them, you know, with, with nice positive um, actions and, and words um, to help them get in their intellectual mind, um, to help them start, you know, to produce that serotonin and, and start making them feel happy. And then um, we start talking about what's been good over the last week. So um, they do have a little bit of homework where they have to write their diary down, um, you know, three things that have made them smile or be happy mm -hmm. during the week so that's quite nice um we then talk about a bit of brain revision um so if they say anything to me that i think do you know what i'm gonna tell them a bit more about that mm -hmm. help them understand why they're they're thinking that or you know how how they can change that part of their thinking as well um we then go on to um the happiness scale so you know how happy they are as they sit there in the chair 
um, all of our, our hypnotherapy, um, we, we don't ask them anything about their past. Um, you know, we, we, we're great believers that, you know, we've lived the past, we've survived the past. But so, for people who, who aren't, who are listening, who aren't hypnotists, this is your particular, not your yes. particular, but the way you were trained, the school of hypnotherapy yes. that you follow. You don't yes. do any regression work. You don't do memory work. Now that's interesting with trauma. So I realize I'm stopping your flow there for a bit. If you're talking about PTSD, most people have heard that EMDR is very useful for PTSD, which also does not require you to relive the trauma, but your brain is processing the trauma. You are, you are not quite thinking about it while it's working in your brain. How do how would your form of hypnotherapy work with PTSD? So with, yeah, with, that's a great question. So with, with that, um, obviously, you know, we, we do obviously um, a, a, um, a rewind and reframe technique, um, but with, with, you know, depending on what their PTSD is, you know, the trauma is, you know, we, 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 we wouldn't visit, revisit that. So let's just take someone that, that um, is, uh, has trauma from the army, mm -hmm. you know, has, um you know lived obviously quite um a traumatic times you know in in iraq or wherever in the world mm -hmm. been you know they they may have an issue going to fill their their car up with petrol um because the smell of petrol obviously brings back that trauma mm -hmm. someone come to me with that sort of trauma i wouldn't then go and relive their past what i would do is try and reframe them going to the petrol station and making it more of a positive experience for them going to the petrol station. So they're not going there with the anxiety already building up going there. And then obviously maybe having, you know, um, flashbacks, uh, panic attacks, you know, when they're trying to fill their car up, you know. Mm -hmm. Are you able, are you able to change the response to that trigger of the smell of petrol? Yes. Yeah. Cause you know, all, all we do is ask them how, they would want their their perfect situation of going to the petrol station is mm -hmm. um, so you know when, when they go into the relaxed state, we then um, we then go over that image again, that memory mm -hmm. again. Obviously, we know that the brain can't tell the difference between imagination and reality. Mm -hmm. So them living. So just just to clarify, the memory you're talking about is going to the petrol station. Not yes. what was going on in Iraq. Uh, yeah, okay. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that they they would be living that that memory of going to the uh, the petrol station and you know not having a panic attack, not having anxiety, you know, having a great experience for them. You know, going mm -hmm. to the petrol station, and then like I say when they're in trance, um, so relaxed state, they they would then be thinking about that image all the time, so it's embedded in their mind. Mm -hmm. So when when we actually, when they actually go back to the, the um, petrol station, the the mind cannot go right. This is a dangerous situation because it's in that that perfect happy image for them. Mm -hmm. Overrides that image, and then you know they they then go and have a great experience and don't relive. I'm I'm very amused by a great experience. In episode four of Two Hypnotherapists Talking, we spoke with Dr. Sue Peacock. In, in a typical 
not that there's that many typical patients, but somebody who's been sent to you or, or somehow wound up at your door now that you're no longer within the NHS, um, but presumably somebody said, I know this psychologist, she'll probably be able to help you with your pain. What would be the first thing you would offer them? Obviously you have an intake, which is probably longer than the 20 minutes that Martin and I do to make sure that yeah, it's not I, too. I, I, feel, I, I guess my first session is probably well, they're all roughly an hour. Um, mm -hmm. I, I guess the first session, like you say, is the intake, finding out about the pain, what's it like, how long they've had it, what medications they're on, who else are they seeing, all that kind of stuff. What, mm -hmm. what, 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 um, what, what's the biggest impact on their life? What, what areas of life is is it affecting? And then, you know, my last you, question tends to be: uh, Is it? Excuse me. Is there a lot of secondary agenda stuff? Um, I would say no. I think that's thinking about the time in the pain clinic. There's probably only about two people that we've ever thought that about. And it was quite funny mm -hmm. because the, the consultant that I used to work with, she was an anaesthetist and, um, yeah, she's retired now, bless her, but she was great. Um, and we, we had this lady outside our room once. And, and pain clinics, well, all NHS clinics run late, don't we? And we know, was notoriously always running late in our clinics because we spent time talking to people and listening. <laughs> and everyone who, who kind of was a regular kind of knew that, so it was fine. They didn't mind too much. But there was this one lady who was a new lady once and... She was getting really upset and the nurse kept coming in. So she got, hurry up, we've got to see this lady. She's in tears, she's in tears. So we kind of juggled things and got her in sooner. And, you know, she she seemed reasonably genuine, like, you know, as best she can mm -hmm. And, you know, my colleague thought the same. And then as soon as we had finished, we, we looked out the window and saw her literally sprinting up the hill, <laughs> running for a bus. Oh. <laughs> so that, that wouldn't be what I would refer to as secondary agenda. I think that would be sort of fraud. <laughs> and on the other hand, maybe your session was so fabulous. She felt so much better. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more of the people, that the, the agendas that people don't realize they have. Oh, They don't realize that they gain a lot of other sympathy. I mean, it, it runs out, but oh, there is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. It stops the kids moving to Australia because mum's sick, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a few of those, but to be fair, I don't know that I've seen many of them, I think. Mm -hmm. I think because of the nature, of, particularly of, of pain clinics in the UK, because it takes so absolutely ages to even get there, I think all that's mm. kind of gone and all the sympathies <laughs> been left behind years ago. Um, so I... I I don't very often see even even in my practice now but I guess that's because of the people that refer to me I don't see people who have had pain for like a year or so very often it's normally mm -hmm. people who have had pain for seven eight nine ten twenty years um, now do you feel that that's a failing of the system do you think we would it would be better if we could interrupt that cycle a little earlier in the Absolutely. Yes. Which is one of the good things about what, what's starting to develop over here is they are having pain services in primary care. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's a good good thing if, if they're run properly and, and uh, uh, multidisciplinary, I think mm -hmm. that would be good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's starting to happen now. So I think that is one positive thing that, mm -hmm. that is changing. Episode six of Two Hypnotherapists Talking saw us chatting with Carrie Ann Apap from Arizona in the USA. Our yeah. I think it's really good to get aligned with, you know, physicians that are 
um, see the value of hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Of course, a lot of physicians see the value of it with smoking. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, smoking or weight loss or that type of thing. So in those cases, what I do to build that relationship with the physician is I ask for permission to send a letter to them and Mm -hmm. let them know that I'm working with their, especially if they, they've recommended, it's not a big deal. So I'll just Mm -hmm. say, thank you very much for the recommendation, but you just, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, um, so, you know, then they see, oh, wow, this has been helpful. It's been successful. And they then will recommend. Yeah. Do you do a lot of weight loss? I used to, (laughs) I'm not doing so much weight loss anymore. I choose to know why. I mean, I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to advertise big time for weight mm-hmm. loss. Um, and of course that brought a lot of, a lot of clients in for that mm-hmm. and had, had a lot of success with it, but I just, uh, I don't do it as much. I do it. You know, people call me to do work with weight loss and we do it. Uh, that being said, I, I probably do more smoking. Mm-hmm. I, I probably see people for smoking, vaping is another thing. thing. Yeah. We have a lot of vaping going on now. You see many younger people? I mean, like adolescents yeah. who are vaping yeah. and that kind of. Yeah, I'm not. No, they haven't. Uh, they're still invincible, you know. Well, of course. <laughs> when they're in their teens, it's like, you know, I'm going to conquer the world. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I do, I see young people um, whose parents I've maybe worked yeah. with, networking groups with, and they're having problems with socialization or, you know, things like that. College anxiety. Yeah, All exactly. Leaving yeah. home for the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that, you know, I work uh, with, with young people. And of course, athletes, I, I do work with athletes. Mm -hmm. Do you do, uh, do you work with the aches and pains of it or do you work with the performance enhancement? That sounds like steroids, but that's not what I meant. (laughs) I work mostly with performance enhancement. Mm -hmm. Now, what sometimes comes with that, if someone has had a severe injury, they, you know, they're playing football and they have a really bad injury, maybe an ankle injury or something, and they have to be at a wheelchair for a couple months. And, you know, and now it's a year later Mm -hmm. and they, you know, want to play football, but they have a lot of anxiety about going. Yeah, of course. So injury types of things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I do as well. Yeah. It It helps that your husband was a coach. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, that kind of introduced me to that area because, mm-hmm. you know, I did, like I say, I created the Masterful Athletes program for his ball players and his teens. Mm-hmm. And um, when I came here, um, a friend of mine's husband was the head wrestling coach and he was using uh, visualization and different things like that with his 
basketball with his wrestlers. And so he approached me. He said, I, I wanted, I want to create a program. Mm -hmm. And so we did that together. Yeah. So our, our program was you zone it and you own it. In episode eight of Two Hypnotherapists Talking, we spoke with Angela Farlam down under in Australia. We were talking uh, recently, Denise and I, about the connection with NLP and hypnosis. And NLP is, you know, we say, you know, it, it is a form of hypnosis, repackaged, as it were. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, well, you practice both. You've got qualifications in both. What what do you feel the similarities are in, in techniques? So, okay, so the, with, the, with the NLP, it's... The reason it got connected with hypnosis was because it's really NLP was all about modeling excellence. And so the guys at the beginning of the journey in the 70s, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, who I trained with in, in Australia, were studying, studying excellence, people who were really good at what they were doing to replicate it. And mm. they happened to study a famous hypnotist at the time, which was Milton Erickson. Uh -huh. and, and Milton Erickson himself didn't even understand how he was getting these results, but they were modeling him. And this is where the language, the, the Milton language came out, the vague language that we use in hypnosis mm. to guide people into trance. And then the meta model is the, the it's the teasing out through listening to what people are saying. To, so you can mm. you can get that, that structure of how they're thinking. Um, so it, it really helps with the, the journey and, and guiding somebody into trance as well. Mm. and understanding what they're doing on the inside mm. when they're not. Yeah, I was and thinking particularly of some NLP um, techniques, sort of like the rewind or the swoosh method and that kind of thing. All um, of that, yeah. Yeah, because even, even in solution-focused hypnotherapy, we use some NLP techniques. You know, there's little techniques borrowed from everywhere. Um, yeah. And, and again, we were just talking about the other day, weren't we, Denise, about repackaging things. Solution-focused right. hypnotherapy, which I practice, um, is more or less the same as the part of your business where you do coaching. It's it's a right. similar kind of thing. It's all about keeping your eye on the desired result and helping the client use their yeah. own resources to get there. Yeah, right. and that's 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 what that's how I work. It's like this is where you are. What do you want? So it's mm. like present mm -hmm. desire. Um, whereas. It, it, you know, we can in NLP do regression, go back in time to collect insights and lessons and learnings. And, and, and you know, it's like, but it's it's really solution focused. It's like, yeah, a, yeah. You, know, you can go back there to find out what it was you need you need to know. You don't need to spend a lot of time there. That's no. the point is, where are you now and where are you going in the future? Because mm. none of us really can go back. We can go no. take a peek and come back again. That's right. That's it. In episode 10, we were chatting with Samantha Chater in the UK. When when people ask me for the, you know, what's the difference between these three things, I, I tend to say that hypnosis is kind of clear out some of the clutter, the things you need to deal with. And then meditation and mindfulness is what you go to for maintenance. Now, it's nice to have. A, I love having an extra hypnosis session here and there. It's so wonderful. But it, it's more of a treatment for whatever is bothering you whereas yeah. meditation and mindfulness is just a is part of your practice it's a way of life is is yeah. what it is it's 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 been consistent with like you know you've got formal practices and you've got informal practices so a formal would be like 
you know, maybe go in and do a body scan, lying down for 30 minutes or 10 minutes or mm-hmm. whatever time duration. And that's the thing you're doing formally. Informally would be like maybe, you know, brushing your teeth and just being aware of or making a cup of tea and just being aware of or using your senses to kind eating. of... Eating. Mindful oh, totally, eating. Yeah. <laughs> Mindful eating. Exactly. How far do you go with mindful eating, Sam? How how far do you go with mindful eating to the point of if you I don't know if you're eating a piece of fish, for example, you start to think about the people who fished it and no, well, no, you no, can no. get into that. Yeah, you're you right. could, but it, it yeah. might, you know, you might have to think about it being plonked on the head. I'm plant based, so <laughs> I don't have to think about the death of my food. But but um, it All really right. is about really enjoying every bite, mm. slowing down and appreciating what that sensation but is also, at the moment. It's not, it's not just enjoying though, because not everything you don't have to be judgmental with, or or like it could be that where. Oh yeah, that's that sensation's different, and it you know, but it gives you kind of the laser focus into it to actually see what the nuances and the do you know what I mean? The real mm-hmm. what you wouldn't notice because we're rushing, and I'm guilty of this. This is one of my big areas. I've had to work really hard on myself, and I still find myself it's it's work in progress for me. I tell you, we all are slipping mm-hmm. into the kind of boom, boom, get it down as fast as you can. And you eat past your, we're listening to our bodies, we go past it, you know. Mm. So it's about, you know, getting yourself plonked down on that table rather than eating on the go, Because I find, you know, your phone and stuff, if it's there near me, you just go on automatic. Uh, mm. And then I'm eating and I'm like, realise that's it. So I've moved the phone away into another room whilst I'm eating. Mm. And that's the only thing I'm doing. Everything else can wait. Episode 12 of Two Hypnotherapists Talking saw Denise and I chatting with Nova Lewis in the UK. At the end of this, when we do come out of this, with COVID, with now this cost of living crisis, what next? You know, it's like the mental health crisis in the UK is bad enough as it is. You know, the waiting list on NHS service, six months to a year just to get an appointment. Yeah. So how bad is it going to get? And we know that our NHS is... And the effect on children and their mental health. Exactly. And we know that a lot of mental health does start in childhood. Mm. Insecurity. Nova, can I ask how old are your children? So I have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. Okay, so they've both spent approximately 20% of their lives in lockdown. Which yes. At those ages, I mean, a year seems to last forever. You know, you remember yeah. waiting from between your 10th and your 11th birthday, it lasts forever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- th- they have been through two years of lockdown. And then, yeah. as you say now, you know, um, we're into this cost of living crisis. I mean, you're, you're a mum with young children. How have prices affected you? Because I, I know even, you know, at, at this end of the country and there's just two in our house to feed. I'm noticing it when we're in the supermarket. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm spending 30% more than I was a year ago to get the same things. Yeah, yeah. So some people are getting the same things, spending 30% more. Other people are only able to get 30% less. Yeah, I mean, we've we've now we've had to set a budget on how much we can spend a day on food. Mm-hmm. 
it's as simple as that because obviously you know heating's gone up food has gone up so much something has to give so mm. there's you know we have to have that budget on what we can spend and if we overspend then it's right. like well the children they're not going to get those and we're not yeah. going to get those and that we like Right. And there's those other things like kids who manage to wear the same pair of shoes for four or five months. And then suddenly they go up a whole size because it's yeah. to be overnight. And it's, oh, it's yes. you've got oh, to buy yes. shoes. <laughs> yes. So what means. aren't you going to eat in order to have money for that? Yeah. This budgeting. Exactly. Is yeah, I know. And it's, it's, it really is hard. Mm. It, it is very difficult. I mean, lockdown for us, actually wasn't that bad because I've got two children with special needs. So for them not being at school, they quite enjoyed not being at school. How did it affect you though, homeschooling them? It, it was, it was <laughs> hard. And they, yeah, they were pretty, they were refusing to, to do it, to do homeschooling. Mm. And they found that very difficult. It was actually getting them back to school because they struggle with change. So yeah. getting them back to school, that was that's the hard part. And that is still a struggle now, mm. actually mm -hmm. being at school since the lockdown. Mm. Yeah. It's really yeah. hard. A lot a lot of people are struggling with. Yeah. yeah. Do, and even if even if we weren't in the cost of living crisis, that would still be a struggle. So. <laughs> yeah. Do, do and that's think... another sorry. Sorry, mine. Okay, I was just okay. going to say, just going back to um, the financial crisis thing for a minute or two, I'm just touching on something Nova said about credit cards. I, I know we're, we've, we've put that section mm -hmm. away, but what, what happens with certain people when they are in dire financial straits and, you know, the emotional brain takes over and they start spending on a credit card uncontrollably? Um, logically, they know they shouldn't do that but the emotional brain takes over. And it's the same thing with eating. Logically, you know, you shouldn't consume more calories than you're going to burn off, but nevertheless, you'll still do it because, you know, you're in your primitive brain. Um, you know, I, I think as part of this mental health crisis that we're having at the moment, that, you know, we've yet to see the results of people starting to do desperate things like that because of the situation. Um, it's the kind of thing people do when they are in, dire straits they'll they'll just carry on regardless um yeah. you know especially with uh, major holidays coming up mm. overspending happens even in the best of times yeah Unw unwise spending you know the, the mm. guilt of, you know i can't i can't i'll buy you five books okay but i you know i'll buy you a bike and of this and of that and the other <laughs> yeah it's, and it's very difficult for people yeah well, that's, I mean, that's the marketeers again, they, you know, talking of hypnosis, they know exactly how to get under people's skin and make you feel that your life is going to be so fabulous once you have this product, um, mm -hmm. you know, didn't realise you needed yet. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, your life will be perfect once you drink this drink or eat this food and we'll all be sat around and happy eating just like on the telecommercials. And that's yeah. how they get under the skin and create that, as we were talking about before, fear of missing out. Yeah. And I think the other thing as well, <clears throat> big thing is addiction. Mm. So people are seeing things all, oh, you know, spend money on this, like gambling, mm. or, you know, on an advert, you'll win X amount of money. Mm -hmm. People that are desperate, they're going to say, well, I'll just do a little bit. I'll just do a little right. bit and I'll just try and win some money. 
Mm. That, that, that's something bit. Nova you've hit on because it correct me if I'm wrong, Denise. I think it's still the case, isn't it? Online gambling's banned in the states. Yeah, but over here you don't have online casinos and things. We we've got we've got workarounds. It's right. not part of the culture I move in, but yeah, there. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of. It's a big thing over here, you know, especially exactly. on a Friday and Saturday night about ten o'clock oh, when they yeah. know people have come home from the pub had a few drinks and the resistance is low. All these gambling and online casino things come on television that horrendous. Yeah. When you think in this country, actual casinos that your physical ones that you go into are so strictly governed. There's no alcohol at the tables. You have to go to a separate bar area to drink alcohol. You can't tip the croupiers. It's really, really strictly controlled. And yet this online stuff is it's just a free-for-all. Mm -hmm. uh, that Talk about consumer addictions. That is terrible. Absolutely terrible. And when people are desperate and they need money, it's so easy. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to access. And, mm. and, that, and then it just draws you in and that's it. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please remember, this podcast is designed to give you an insight into therapeutic hypnosis and is for educational purposes only. So remember, consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you've heard may apply to you or a loved one. If you found this episode useful, you can apply for free continuing professional development or CME credit using the link provided in the show notes. Feel free to contact either of us through the links in the show notes.